I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My name is Ricky Wilde, and you're listening to Unsung Heroes. Thank you for joining us. Um, this week, Lee and I were lucky enough to catch up with the amazing Grace Lightman. Grace has recently released an album called Silver Eater. It's probably up there as one of my favourite albums ever, and both Lee and I were totally blown away. Singles like Repair, Repair, Aztec Level, Faultless, an Ordinary Life. The songs are so beautifully crafted and it's so refreshing to hear something sounding so new and different. And she has a style of all of her own that um, it's quite hard to do that, I think. And for her to be able to have done that on her debut album is quite astonishing. Anyway, so yeah, let's get straight into it. Miss Grace Lightman. So, uh, welcome to Unsung Heroes. Uh, Ricky Wilde and myself, Lee Bennett, are here today with the wonderful Grace Lightman. We are backstage at the Islington in London, um, just hours before Grace is about to take to the stage for her headline gig, which we are both very excited to be at. So, Grace, welcome. Hello there. (laughs) Um, We are super excited to talk to you. We've got loads we want to ask you about. Um, Obviously, our podcast is about songwriting and process, but we really want to know about your musical history and, of course, your fabulous album, Silver Eater, which we are massive fans of um, here. So, we really want to talk to you about that. So, if we can take things back to the beginning and kind of trace the steps of where does your love for music stem from were you a musical child yeah um so I've got a photo of me um when I was probably about I was probably about four and I'm sat on my dad's grand well baby grand piano and I've got a little cap on and I've got sunglasses that are heart-shaped and it's like probably one of my favorite childhood photos of me because it's like Ah, oh, nothing's changed except that I probably can't play piano any better than I could when I was four. So nothing, literally nothing, has changed. Um, but yeah, my dad is a musician. Oh, okay. Um, and a music producer as well. So I've grown up like with the studio in my house. 
the whole time. So did you get to tinker and experiment? Yeah. Wow. And like mainly just kind of an appreciation for music and it just always being around. Was what was, what was your dad what, as a musician? What did he play? He was a guitarist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and he's like, basically he's from Canada and he came to England when he was quite young to basically be a session guitarist. Oh, wow. So he's always been massively kind of supportive yeah. of my pursuits as a young person yeah. into the music industry. And then my mum works in comedy as well. So she's super supportive of like the creative industry, freelance aspects of everything. Yeah. Um, so there, there was no problems there. Um, and yeah, I was just really lucky to have a lot of the, the creative kind of culture around me. Did you always feel that you were going to be a singer or a writer or did you, did you have a vision? Um, I found my diary from when I was 10 uh. <laughs> and um, on like maybe the fifth page, it says something like, okay, listen, I've decided I'm going to start a new career in songwriting Wow! and I've written three songs already. Here's one of them. So I wrote down all the lyrics of the song. And Can you remember any of the lyrics? I'm not going to repeat them because oh, they're so to. rubbish. Um, <laughs> it's quite embarrassing. It's something about watching films on TV. Um, and um, That's a very young age to know what you're going to do. Well, I don't, I don't think I, after that, I don't think I actually did very much of it because I went to school and I did write some songs at school as well um, at secondary school but I actually ended up not doing music GCSE um, because I was already doing like some other creative GCSEs and I wasn't allowed to pursue too yes, many yeah, at the yeah. school I was at um, so I think I decided to keep music as a thing that I could enjoy and it not be work yeah, which yeah. is ironic because now it's work yeah <laughs> which is fine with me <laughs> um, but it's lovely to do something that you're passionate about you know yeah exactly yeah you're very lucky in that in that aspect, very lucky as yeah. I am what music did mum and dad listen to what did they expose you to um every night I used to listen to the carpenter's gold or abba gold so two compilation albums. Fantastic, both albums. Just awesome. to, like to get to sleep, but obviously I'd just stay up and listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and my brother listened to a lot of kind of like Nirvana and grunge oh. music. So I was kind of listening to that as well. Yeah. And then I also was watching loads of music TV channels. So I would watch anything that was around then and buy the CDs of anything that was around then. So you soaked it all up, basically, yeah. lots of influences going in. Like things like pop music, basically, like yeah. Britney and Destiny's Child and yeah. Shania Twain and stuff of like course. that. Of course, yes. <laughs> and are, they, are they influences in your writing at the moment or are there other influences, you think? I think um, what I've always found is that I've never kind of, I try not to make my writing in the style of anyone's, but mm. what ends up happening is you accidentally just do get influenced by people mm. so the carpenters thing like i wanted to just write really well the term classic i wanted to write really classic songs that kind of were timeless yeah and that I realized after writing them that that was something that obviously um the carpenters would be quite mm. into doing like the, the music is all kind of like the production was the thing that aged it yeah yeah um yeah. but the songwriting was much more classic yeah 
the production on Silver Eater it's astonishingly perfect <laughs> it's my album of the year I've said it many a time and tweeted it many a time oh, but you. it's when it's you get to hear the other podcasts you'll hear it referenced oh great times. yeah <laughs> we're always talking about it and listening to it so it's amazing a, yeah it, no it's a beautiful album and something you should be really proud of when you're writing do you demo it yourself or? There's a lot of different stuff going on with the writing. It's never kind of the same thing, but um, I write with um, a writing partner, Patrick James Pearson, um, aka he, Pat. He is in colours. He hears in colours, yeah, he does a lot of that. Um, <laughs> he's Well, he, he's got synesthesia, but that's kind of never really some that's not a huge part of our process together because um, I don't think he likes, he doesn't like make that part of his process outwardly because it's just something that he's always had um but could you explain what that is um so it's when to my knowledge i'm gonna get it wrong now (laughs) (laughs) um to my knowledge it's when um well the way that he has it is that um he hears sounds um in color so he'll get like an overwhelming sense of a color come to him when he plays or hears certain uh, chords and things so I think sometimes it's for him about like the way the colours go together but like I don't want to misquote him that, that at the time in terms of I'm seeing or hearing red or blue or... I can think of maybe three times that he said it to me in my life because <laughs> <laughs> the colour blue is really relevant here isn't it in terms of the, yeah. the there's um, we were talking before we came on air about um, Papa Smurf and the, the mm-hmm. guy that so there's a guy in America that had a skin condition yeah. and he self-medicated with something and yeah. it turned him blue and that yeah. sparked a song so that's that my was he's a, my guy he's your um, guy that was yeah that was something I heard about um, I was basically thinking of dyeing my hair silver and someone just told me about this guy mm. and I googled him and I was just like what a strange human and and I just kind of got a bit obsessed with the idea that someone would think that it was okay to do that and like at what point would you be like oh my god my skin's gone blue um and my hair's gone silver like why am I still doing this like why, did, did why that didn't inspire stop? a particular song or the so theme? yeah so that was um I basically came I heard about this guy went to visit Pat in Devon um where he lives and I was living in London and we'd like meet up to write and I was talking to him about this guy I was like I've heard about this guy and I really want to write a song about him so we kind of didn't really write a song about him but we started writing Repair Repair and we just sort of were coming up very quickly with the words for the verses and sort of dropping them in as we were going along it was quite a nice quick process for that and one of the words is silver eater so becoming I'm alien to an earth in a wormhole and that was kind of like a little nod to Paul Carrison um with his silver eating wow and because like the fact that he became something else yeah. became a different version of himself which looked really alien um and then after writing repair repair we wrote silver eater the song and that was like the moment where the whole concept for the album kind of became one. Yes. <laughs> Which we'll come back to. We're just, we're just going to take you backwards a step because this is sort of your second life in music in some ways in yeah. terms of you were in a band before yeah. called The Hypnotic Eye. I was, yeah. And it's a very different sound to what we know you for 
now mm-hmm. were you a big part of that sound not at all i was just the lead singer of that band i didn't write any of the songs i actually felt at the time that i i couldn't write songs then i think i'd given up songwriting because of because Is of gcse's um not so much a confidence thing. Well, I guess it probably was a confidence thing, but I, I think I was quite in awe of the guy who did write the songs at the time because it was like a whole new world to me, that that sort of 60s garage psych rock world. And I always romanticised that era, but I never quite got into it. And I think I thought that that band was my way into it. And there's only so much of that kind of music I can take because as much as it's great, it's like all very similar. Yeah. Um, and I think I felt like Lindsay who ran the band and, and wrote all the music was just totally lived that world and he knew everything about it and he was writing the songs and so perfectly within that world that I just didn't feel like there was hmm. any reason for me to get into it Yeah. Um, so I kind of just like kept on my my journey of singing and uh, we watched a video of you uh, in the band. It's one of the videos that you made. And I was saying to Rick, I was watching it back and it was like, you can almost see that you don't quite believe it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like you were there, but now when we see you performing in videos, it's like, ah, oh, that's grace. Yeah. I don't feel like it really ever was me, that band. Um, it was definitely my introduction into yeah feeling like this is what I want to do definitely that was sometimes that you was have to go through stuff like that to yeah. find yourself and find your place in the music industry where, yeah. wherever you want to be as a writer or uh, as a performer definitely so, um, uh, yeah I, I think I, also is the, the the fact that um it wasn't all about me it was about the whole band and I'm a narcissist and well, it's <laughs> all about me <laughs> well, so it's opened your mind up musically because uh, the diversity of, of Silver Eater yeah. is, is wild. Un- unbelievable every track yeah. is just so different yeah and the other thing being that in that band that's where I met Ben Batty who produced Silver Eater because he um, used to work with Lindsay who ran the Hypnotic Eye and started to produce us and I met him in session whilst I was recording all of the vocals across two days for a whole album and um and Ben and I realized that we'd come across something together we were like this is definitely something that we've got to do again and um that was when I was like 19 so Ben and I sort of we've been really close friends ever since then but it wasn't until he came to my gig a few years ago and said to me that he wanted to get into production properly and he wanted to work with me on my album and use it as his his sort of um his learning curve but what a learning curve in terms of he set the bar really high (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so it's amazing working with him and meeting him through the band so i have a lot to as a writer are you one of these writers that are constantly thinking up ideas in your head and putting them on your iPhone and then going back and developing them in the studio or is it just have a writing process on a particular day you think right I'm going to do some writing on that day Um, it's kind of yeah it's both but I do like to schedule in writing sessions Hmm. because I'm quite undisciplined and 
I think that's why I really like collaborating with people because I, I come up with all these ideas and I can't settle on one. So I just spend about four hours thinking of one line because I've thought about 30 different possibilities for it. <laughs> so I like to like, and, and that's the same with just deciding to sit down to write. Yeah. Um, I like to schedule it in, go and write somewhere else as well. Maybe not like in my bedroom either. I don't really like doing that. Um, and But I do I do the thing of like, writing down lots of different things and yeah. voice memos on my phone. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. me walking around the streets, voice memos that sound, yeah. just don't actually sound like anything, <laughs> but they're like, yeah. da, 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 like they're really weird. I, I get that when, I'm, when I go into shops and I'm hearing music in the background and it'll be like the song that's out at the moment. And then I'll just start singing over the bass line. And that's where the song originates. Yeah. And then I'll obviously change all the bass line when I come to actually write yeah. it in the studio. But uh, that's a real good writing point for me is walking in shops. Walking in shops. <laughs> Mine's like bus stops. That's bus my, stops, that's a good one. That's yeah. my one because I think you that's where you... need to get to more bus stops. Yeah, right? I need to hang around those I think places. it's good to like be bored because when you're bored, you create stuff in your head. Yeah. At night as well, just as you're going to sleep, I get a lot of ideas then. Yeah, that's the hardest one for me, though, because I get that too, because I have that real in limbo state of Mm. wake and sleep. But my body's dead by that point, so I find it really hard to, like, get up or even grab my phone to, like, put it down. Or sometimes when I do, I listen back the next day and I'm like... That was terrible. <laughs> that was a good idea. What was I thinking? <laughs> so um, you're on tour at the moment. How many gigs are you doing on this tour? Um, I think it's somewhere between nine and 11, but I can't, I always forget because I'm really bad with numbers. Yeah, I'm exactly <laughs> don't worry. And do you like gigging? Yeah, like I performing? love gigging. Um, performing, I absolutely love. Whenever people ask me what my favourite thing is out of writing, recording and gigging, I literally couldn't say it's all equally yeah amazing to me yeah but um i'm really excited to tour because i haven't actually done a tour longer than five days ever mm. so i'm really really looking forward to it are you going to take this into next year as far as the album's concerned um, yeah, yeah hopefully like this tour ends in december as it stands but um i'm hoping to be touring more in January. Are you thinking about, you know, if you're someone that's creating all the, all the time, was there already um, a plan in terms of the second album already or yeah. how that will go? Is there a concept for the second album? Yeah. Oh, she's got it. It's there already. I guess it's yeah. a concept. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've, I've got lots of ideas already um, for the next few things. I've kind of, I mean, I, I wrote, I actually wrote Silver Eater quite a long time ago. It's taken me a really long time to get it recorded because I've, I've never really been able to afford to do it properly. So it's been in Ben's downtime. We've both been doing it um, as a, a sort of labour of love. So one of the songs that's on Kim's uh, album that's released last year was 10 years old, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that happens a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so, but in that time, I sort of have been. Uh, thinking about next stages I've had a lot of time to think about yeah. it basically and a couple of the tracks have had new lives already as well mm-hmm. and got re-recorded for the album was that yeah. a case of just wanting to freshen them up or yeah I think I always had Repair Repair was always part of the Silver Eater concept as was Fangs actually which didn't make yeah. it onto the album because I just kind of felt like it had had its time already um but I felt like having put Repair Repair out, I never was quite happy with it. Like, I, it's it, that feeling of 
unsettledness yeah like I'd, I'd, unfinished yeah there's yeah. just something about it and I can't put my finger on it and I knew that Ben was the person who was going to be able to produce it the way that it needed to be and he knew it as well the chorus is so much bigger on the remix yeah when it hits it's so much better and, for and it. actually the whole structure is like really different mm, but yeah. kind of in a quite a subtle way that um, a lot of people wouldn't realise but um I was actually scared to listen to the new version of yeah. Faultless. <laughs> yeah, someone actually told me that they preferred the old version when I was just hadn't even put it out yet. The well, new one. it was because I love that song so much. And when someone had said, "Oh, it's it's redone on the album," I was like, oh, "No, it can't. It's too perfect as yeah. it is." But I love it. <laughs> but I was literally thinking, I don't know if I want to listen to this because I don't know how you yeah. can improve on it because it's such a perfect song. Well, Faultless was one I was always happy with, so I didn't want to change it too much. No. And actually, we used quite a lot of the original tracking for it, um, but we did all, redid all the drums and. Um, added quite a lot of different synth parts and then took them all out and added more and did all the stuff and I did a new vocal for it as well and I'm like really pleased that I did the new vocal because yeah. it's one of my favorite vocals on the album so um yeah it was it worked that one worked out it was risky but we got to the end of the tightrope normally when I hear a track and if I'm not hearing it within two or three listens I kind of lose interest yeah but with your stuff uh, there's always something new that I'm hearing and I just find it so interesting it suddenly hits me and then I, I realize where you're coming from and how how brilliant it is and I've, I don't think I've heard an album that's hit me that way that's taken so long for me to actually understand that's good I think a lot, yeah it is <laughs> and um Aztec level yeah the time signatures in that it took me ages for me to get my head around that. Yeah. And how did that? How did you write that? Um, that was the day that Pat and I lost our tiny minds. I don't really know. Like, uh, it started off very different to how it ended up being. Not even just production wise. Like, it started off very differently writing wise. Yeah. And then there was a whole. I remember a conversation about dropping some bars out. Um, but it was quite a long day of us trying something and then actually just taking a break from it, realizing we, it wasn't working and then just kind of throwing all of the rules. It's really out brave. I've got to say book. that's really brave to do, to yeah. do that. Yeah. It was, it was I, a I'm weird not one. That brave. A lot, a lot of my <laughs> stuff is just normal, sort of, you know, the normal bar countage. And, but when it came to your stuff, I thought that is a, uh, that is really cool. And I think I, I, the thing is, is like to aim to be, to do the unexpected thing. Yeah. Like if you feel like it, there's a natural chord progression that everyone's waiting for, try and do the opposite to that yeah. or try and do something that, still works musically but isn't the thing that everyone's expecting one of the lyrics i have to ask you about because it's the one that really sticks in my head is i think tennis is super cool yeah it seems so one-dimensional where does that come from just just kind of came out it's incredible <laughs> it was like it's so hooky we kind of with that song pat and i when we'd lost our minds and took a break we wrote down i mean this is us taking a break but we got um, loads of little pieces of paper and wrote out the alphabet on each one of them and then we each like we divided them in half and then took uh, tried to do like words with one or two syllables that were within like the silver eater world wow. and I think tennis must have been on one of them 
Um, <laughs> that's but, incredible. Yeah, and then that's why the end of the song where it goes lemonade, bring it to the hotel. Yeah. That was because we'd written the whole song and then we were like doing this outro, bobbing our heads along. And then I just like basically picked up a few of the pieces of paper that were on the floor and just kind of like laid them out and picked up the microphone hit record and just said the word <laughs> and Pat was like yeah okay that'll do she's <laughs> like yeah right it just it's it's so obscure yet seems so perfect yeah. in the song yeah it's a good good fun great <laughs> well, yeah. I've, never, I've never written that way and uh, uh, I think that's really interesting give it a go I think it will yeah Lots of random words on the floor, Rick. But it's because we couldn't, essentially, it's because we couldn't come up with anything. So (laughs) I I think Bowie wrote like that, didn't he? He had like a a machine that he invented where he put words together and then the the machine would put them in an order for him. We we obviously were inspired by that. (laughs) Are you always together when you write or can you write like the modern way of sending things back Uh, and forth? We can. Um, and we do write with other people as well, um, but it's just kind of like the, we might as well do the thing that's the most enjoyable thing and the most effective thing, which is getting together, sitting in a room and playing music. Like our, our whole thing is that um, if the song doesn't stand up alone as just a song that you can play on a guitar or piano, then it's not necessarily... Um, gonna work for us yeah. <laughs> I mean obviously lots of the songs ended up being kind of like really synth based but a lot of them just started as piano based yeah. songs so uh, what's the live show what do we expect from the Silver Eater live well, experience you can kind of hear quite yeah, a lot of it <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to set the scene here we're, we're actually in your in your dressing room yeah um, just for the people that are here in here um, so yeah, all that music in the background is Grace's new album but it's good soundtrack. isn't it it's a good it's little soundtrack for this beautiful. interview so and then um, wetting our appetite and we're really looking forward yeah. to seeing it yeah I hope so you enjoy the, it there's obviously a lot of visual um, imagery with this uh, with the record and you work with your brother I believe on, on the videos yeah. and there's a whole sci-fi theme obviously going on I know I think you mentioned Twilight Zone as a big influence yeah. so does that influence your writing do you see some of the things yeah, you know, yeah. that you think I'm now going to write about that film yeah. or that character because um, Under the Skin really sprung to mind have you seen Under yes, the Skin yeah but I didn't see Under the Skin until like way after I'd written oh, the album no. even after I think we'd um, produced recorded and mixed it because that's such a perfect yeah I love it companion to yeah it, it's great it? except she's evil yes <laughs> um, spoiler alert yeah <laughs> how do you find working with your brother I mean, great. obviously I work with Kim yeah. and Kim and uh, it's a similar thing but yeah. how's that process well I think what's quite funny is that and Ben and Pat are both going to hate this but um, they're both like brothers to me and then my brother is my actual brother who's also obviously like a brother to me because he is my brother <laughs> um, so I feel like I only work with people when they're brothers to me or something but my brother Alex is a really really talented film director and we kind of ended up like we actually always said that we weren't gonna do videos together because he does feature films and we sort of didn't really want to make like uh like we didn't want to mix family with work kind of thing yeah um and then we sort of almost were forced to because i tried working with other people and it just didn't really work out um i don't feel like anyone really understood my vision and because it's such a visual album for me um, and this is before even Silver Ear was written. This was like with Faultless, 
when um when we made the original music video for it I basically had this idea of doing a beauty pageant and my brother was like living with me and then we were also living with um a director of photography and a stage manager who was an art director on films and we were like oh okay like you guys up for doing this (laughs) and um everyone was and that's one of uh, like unfortunately it's not online anymore but that was one of my favorite music videos and totally made by us and totally produced by us yeah, we did wonderful. everything for it and it was yeah. really fun really really you fun you get on well when you work together there is no yeah. yeah my brother's like my best friend yeah so yeah we we have uh, we're, a lot of people think we're twins because oh, we have okay. a very um, telepathic what's the age difference five, between four years oh, okay yeah are you all younger? Yeah. Yeah. Because you and Kim are like not even barely a year apart, aren't you? No. So you uh, those, are uh, yeah, those, twins. But yeah, no, we've always been really close and it's, it's a lovely working relationship. Yeah. Uh, hence, 35 years later, we're still... And the rest. Writing, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, we love it. That's are so you cool. Are you tempted into kind of a lot of the one-off collaboration type stuff that sort yeah. of dominates the... Spotify and iTunes chart yeah I mean I've done them before and I'll continue to give them a go I think I love collaborating with people so I try not to discriminate well I I think we've taken up enough of your time here Grace I I know you've probably got sound check yeah I've got to go sound check (laughs) yeah um, I just want to thank you so much for letting us in and it's been lovely talking to you and getting to know you oh awesome great to get to know you guys great to see the gig later we can't wait we'll be there yeah really look forward to it thanks Lovely to meet you. Thanks, Grace. Thank you too. Okay, thank you. Huge thanks to Grace for letting us into her world. Uh, What a lovely chat that was, and it was so nice to get to know her and um, and to to hear what makes her tick, really. Uh, I found all the stories about how she writes absolutely fascinating. Um, I loved her passion. I love her passion for her career and her songs and, and for music. It was wonderful to see, and both Lee and I wish her all the best of luck with not only the album, but with her career in the future. Um, she deserves to be absolutely massive, and I'm sure she will be. Yeah, this week I wanted to talk about a couple of things, really. First of all, we have our guests that we always have. But after that, I wanted to have a little chat about something else that I'm involved in, um, which is the Wild Charity Ball. I just wanted to explain to people what it's all about and why we're doing it. But we'll touch upon that a little bit later on. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And the reason why I mentioned the wild ball is because the next guest that I'm going to be chatting with, I bumped into him at one of the Let's Rock gigs last summer. And it was lovely to see him again after all this time. I used to knock about with Nev back in the day. He was recording all his stuff at Rack Studios in the studio next to where I was working. And the guy who was engineering his work was a guy called Pete Schwer. And Pete was my best man at my wedding. He was engineering for Neville and producing some of the stuff that he was working on. And that artist was called Neville Keeley from Baluie Sum. What an amazing band and what beautiful songs. Imagination being probably one of the best tracks of the 80s, I think, along with another track called Some People that I really loved as well. Well, as I say, we bumped into each other and we got chatting about the old times. And he said, what are you up to now? And, um, and we were at that time organising the next wild charity ball. I asked him if he would like to perform at that ball and bless him he said yes he'd love to it was just lovely to rekindle that friendship and it was just so lovely to see him so yeah let's get straight into it ladies and gentlemen neville keely from bluey sum welcome nev keely uh, amazing writer and a wonderful artist and so it's an honor to have you in my studio well, i'm honored to be um, here. when did we first meet 85 85 was it yeah, well, no, it might have been before because I think it's because of accuracy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were recording uh, Imagination and some people yeah. at Rack Studios with yeah. Pete Schwer. Well, the, the first versions of Imagination, I mean, some people was recorded at Rack originally. Yeah, yeah. And then um, with Pete. And yeah. then, well, Pete Schwer, let's, let's just tell you yeah. who Pete Schwer is. Yeah. Pete Schwer um, was my engineer. Um, he recorded all my early hits with me at was Rack Studios. He, Studio. ra- um, he was, right, yeah. he was originally with, with a house Phil, engineer. Phil with Phil Thornat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who later went on to record, yeah. uh, well, write and record, yeah. uh, torn for Natalie. Nice Brugler. guy. He was a Lovely bass player film. as well, wasn't he? In the yeah, Cure. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was in the Cure. Yeah. Um, but he's now a bass player for Brian ah. Adams. So, but um, I've but, got a yeah. funny Brian Adams story. I live around the corner from. Well, Brian Adams has got a house near where I live. Okay, he's a lot bigger than right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Brian and um, for years, you know, when I wasn't in the business, you know, I, I mean, I we wander around. I used to see him and. Um, yeah. I'm always in pubs and things. I was in those days. Now I'm yeah, yeah. a little bit more grown up. <laughs> but, you know, and um, always a bit worried because I was with a load of mates. And, you know, um, um, a couple of times we were we were a bit rowdy. A bit rowdy anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I went to an opening of something once and uh, Brian Adams was there. And he said, hello, mate. Hello. I said, oh, hi, nice to meet you, Brian. Thinking, oh, God. Hope he doesn't recognise me because I do stick out like a sword. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's white, I need white hair. Then. And he goes, "Okay, I know you from somewhere." I know. And I said, "Oh no, 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 no! We've never met. You've never seen me before." And uh, uh, I was thinking, "Oh my God, please don't!" How immature I'd been. Yeah, pissed in the corner of a pub. Anyway, no, <laughs> we've all been there. No, don't some, worry. So I think sidetracked me to Brian. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, no, he's an amazing guy. So. But they were they were great days. And, and Pete Swear finished up being my best man at my wedding yeah. um, to my beautiful wife Mandy and. Um, and we, we had some great days back then and I remember t- a lot of parties and uh, a lot of raucous and so much energy 
I mean, it was we just amazing. never stopped. Yeah, yeah. It was every, yeah. I mean, you know, every day we did something. But you had so much energy, Nev. I mean, that, <laughs> I, I think, think you're the one that, that drove us onto all that, mate. No, yeah. all of us. But you know, Pete Shreer wasn't supposed to be producing my album. It was supposed to be Pete Shreer and another guy, and the other guy disappeared. Who's that? I, it was, well, I feel bad. I don't want to, I mean, it was, yeah. it was Ian Little. And, uh, yeah, okay. And, and he'd done the Seven and the Ragged Tiger with yeah, Alex Sadkin, yeah. the Dran Dran. Yeah, yeah. So the first day of the recording, he turned up, and he was great. And then yeah. he didn't turn up again yeah. so me and pete was sitting in the studio and i you know what i'm like i mean i wasn't going to stop so we carried yeah. on yeah and pete was a little embarrassed because he wasn't supposed to be producing he was the engineer yeah and i would go well what does this sound like make the decisions <laughs> and um well pete was a great ideas man i mean yeah. he always came up to me really he was more ideas. he was a great engineer well. fantastic and the album was actually ready to be released but i wasn't happy with it and it yeah. wasn't peaceful because most of you know you could see the credits he said yeah but um he was never supposed to be producing. He was supposed to be the engineer. Well, the, end, the producer disappeared. Funny so, enough. So, so did um, Pete do imagination, or was it? He uh, did the first people? imagination. Okay, well, there was a, what, a few versions. There was a few versions uh, because the, the thing is, I always knew it was going to be a great song. Yeah. He did the the basics of some people, yeah. and then I took some people to New York and Carlos and. Steve Thompson and, and put the polish on that, but the yeah. basics of, of some people were done by. Go him. through who those guys are. Uh, uh, but uh, Carlos Alamo had been with, obviously was with David Bowie for many yeah. years. Carmen Roas as well. Yeah. He'd done the Let's Dance, Serious Moonlight, and whatever. And I mean, obviously, then went on to do you know. But well, Amazing this is probably wise. down to the story about how I got to go to New York to do yeah. Imagination. I knew I was in trouble. EMI had spent a fortune, and they were running out of patience with me, and, and the album didn't sound right. It was it was. Mm. So um, someone said, get, get a remix done. There's these new young remixes in America, right? So I went to New York and took with me um, a track. They did an amazing job. And I said, uh, my album's shit. You don't fancy re-recording it? They said, well, yeah, because they, <laughs> they hadn't recorded anything before. But they said, I said, there's a couple of problems. Record yeah. company are not going to let me, yeah. having recorded the whole album already again. And um, you're not named producers. Yeah. So... Uh, I said, so we've got to come up with a plan. So the plan was, we'll put together the most amazing musicians and band for you. Mm. And this is New York in the 80s. Mm. It was rocking, right? Wow. And I was very English. So I said, that's amazing. You can do that. I'll persuade Dave Ambrose at EMI to at least do one track with mm. you. So I went back and said, Dave, oh, these people are great. These people are always good. Listen, you know, I'm in so much trouble about you. They keep on having a go at me in the meetings. I said, I said, come on, Dave, let me just do one track. I'll do Imagination. Come on, I know it's going to be... I've got Carlos Alima. I've got Rob... I had, get, I had... Oh, no, of course I had Bernard Edwards and Tony Thompson. Oh, uh, yeah. Chic, oh, you know. Yeah. They'd never yeah. done... They'd never worked before. So Carlos yeah. was happy. Everyone was happy. Everyone was doing this for these young producers. And... Astonishing that you, as a new artist, that you could <laughs> gather these legends together. Together to record well, on your... I'm pushy, I'm pushy. Uh, yeah, uh, but, but, but tenacious <laughs> as well. Though. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I didn't stop to think what happens if it goes wrong. I no, know. But there is one it. funny story. Dived I mean, the, the actual song was recorded on a Saturday afternoon in the rain in New York, and it's all live. So yeah. you can hear that when the vocal moves around, everything moves around, the drums moved, Tony and Bernard. I mean, it's a classic. But you knew, yeah. I knew I had that moment. And when I came back to London on Monday morning and gave it to them, I said, there's your hit and whatever. And wow. they were, that was it. But what happened And was, what a great sounding record imagination well, you're what very a, kind what a you, song I mean it's a, a fantastic song how did you write that where, where did the it's ideas really come from a simple song I mean it's a simple song I wrote it in my, at the kitchen table in um, about three years before was it written in your head did you have a guitar it was yeah, one of those songs or? that just wrote itself she yeah. lit a cigarette you got to the bridge 
she blamed excesses. It goes, it's an obvious, it's only yeah, a three-chord yeah. wonder. And then, uh, uh, uh. Imagination! <laughs> I mean, it just came out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was the easiest thing I ever wrote. But, I mean, obviously, as a songwriter yourself, you know, yeah. you know, the easiest thing you ever wrote takes ten, ten yeah, years, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, and thousands of songs by, by the wayside. But there is one funny story about that, because Dave said, well, you know, get a budget. So in the early days of faxes, I remember this fax came through to my publishers. The budget was $34,000 for the, <laughs> to record Imagination and Walk Away, right? Yeah. But, um, and I, and uh, the publisher at the time said, he was a great guy, he said, Ian, his name was Ian, he said, Ian Reid, that was it. He said, nah, he said, not going to go for that. And this is this fax, chuk, 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 they're not going to, so I said, well, tip X out the zero at the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had so, so you, much fun. So, <laughs> so we faxed through the EMI, $3,400, right? Yeah. And it wasn't, luckily, the actual invoice didn't come through for about six months. <laughs> and I remember Dave coming in with this, what's this? <laughs> $34,000. I said, no, oh, fucking, you know, who cares? You know? um, oh, oh, sorry, God. Dave, I must have... Must have that's very expensive. What happened? Anyway, um, but I remember doing that as well, you know. I mean, I had, I had no shame in those days. No. Now, no. obviously... Um, but amazing. Yeah. And so so you had uh, all that... Well, then I persuaded EMI. Yeah. I said, listen, this is great. We've got two great tracks here. Look, the whole yeah. company is, you know... And it sounded different. The, the problem was, it didn't sound English. It didn't sound American. Yeah. So they said, what are we going to do with you? What are you? Are you a band? Are you... And I said, I'm, you know, I'm me. And it's very difficult to, to be called Baluri Simon. You're not a yeah. band and you're not... Yeah. A, and so, where did that name come from? Oh, I, I needed a name for the first gig at the embassy club what, where, where did, well i didn't it, it, you couldn't get a record deal as a solo artist right because so no, it had to be a band name i'd be a band name yeah. but i only, but my ego is such i don't i don't really i've never been really good at being part of a band you know and yeah. so i thought well i don't want it to be called the the jojos or whatever it's yeah. got to be something that's a bit ambiguous yeah probably the dumbest thing i ever did to call myself a name that no one could pronounce yeah. so um <laughs> spell or or yeah. you know uh, <laughs> And so I thought, well, I'll call myself... It was Louis Louis, the Kinsman song was out. The Blues Brothers was out at, the yeah. mo at that time, the movie. So I said, well, I'll call myself uh, the Bluey Something Band. <laughs> yeah. I never got as far as the Something Band. So that yeah. was it. That's yeah. it. But anyway... Well, so, some? What, what was well, it was going to be something. I never thought oh, right. something was. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, all, and it all makes sense. And, then, and they said to me, "We need it by tomorrow. We got to do the. We got to do the posters. Yeah. What are you called?" <laughs> and the other thing is, I did the first gig, and you know, after five, six years of trying to get a record deal, and the songs were all in place. I'd done the demos. That this had finally worked. I got the band together. I went on stage, Monkbridge in German Street. I don't know whether you remember it. A tiny place, and I went on, and I was. I stood there and I just froze and I thought, this is terrible. So they, so afterwards everyone said, you know, that was terrible. That was absolutely terrible. You've got to do something. I had two weeks. So um, I thought, sod this. Blade Runner was out. Yeah. And so I went off and I spent seven hours dyeing my hair white. And, yeah. and white was rare in those days because you couldn't get it white. I remember yeah. my head was burnt to smithereens yeah, and all this big, yeah. I mean Billy Idol had white but I don't know how he got it white I mean anyway so I had white hair yeah. so I completely changed my look and the other thing is I drank a lot before I went on yeah, stage yeah. which I kept going doing that for many years <laughs> because the nerves you know but yeah. then the next gig was just amazing you know? wow. because um, I had a 
my manager at the time had was living opposite a school nearby and he we got a coach and we we put them on the coach and so when the A&R people got there there was always a big crowd outside my gigs yeah yeah so we shipped them in and by that you know rent a crowd yeah rent a crowd yeah, yeah. and then once you got your rent a crowd going it was you know all the things you know I wasn't going to fail this time no, around, you know no. after all those years so obviously you had all that initial success but then you t- you took a, a time out yeah, I mean, it, I, I mean, I, I know you know, it's, you know, yeah, know the nineties came and oh, that, the nineties came and yeah. basically shut on the eighties, and it, yeah. it was like and no one wanted to know anything. I did, about I did an album in London. A, a fant- I mean, I was I spent a, and, and and I got great musos, great English musicians, right? Yeah, and uh, I remember Carl from Underworld and all these great guys, and it's a raucous album. Eventually, got a deal with BMG in Germany, mm. and they were useless. And Arista over here, and they were useless. They said, "Oh, thanks very much." So I thought, sod this, I'm out. Yeah. And that was about 93, 94. And, yeah. I, and, I... and then you've come back again. <laughs> and how lovely is that? The last time I yeah. saw you was at the Let's Rock gig, and that's yeah. the first time I'd seen you since the bloody 80s. And it was just like stepping back in time, and it was so lovely to see you, Nevin, and so lovely that so you're lovely back here. So lovely to be back, you know. And, yeah, to share all those lovely memories that, that, yeah. that we have, you know. Yeah. And it was, it, was like, so cool. it was like the 30 years hadn't been. Crazy. It's like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, but so you're you're back. You're doing the Let's Rock gigs, which it's is wonderful. It's uh, great yeah. fun. Yeah, and a great band, yeah. and you're you're there doing it with us now, which is wonderful. And I, hopefully, I'm going to carry on with my new career. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and also, you're going to be joining us at the Wild Ball. Yes. Well, we'll have a great night. We are going to have. A you, great you've night. not had, you've not done the Wild Ball yet. I think it's our fourth one now, and it's it's amazing. It's a great night, and everybody has a great time. Oh, it's lovely. Can't wait. Oh, it's work. Anyway, I'm. I've I'm not going to talk about that anymore. No, it's crazy. Um, you so, you know, it's obviously something really close to your heart. It is. It is. It's a passion. And through it, we've met some incredible people as well. And we love hosting it. Um, Mandy's unbelievable the way she organises it all. I only just do the entertainment side, so I don't really do much of it. But Mandy does all the hard work. And, um, and it's, it's, an, it's a wonderful thing. But I just wanted to thank you, Nev, for joining us. And it's going to be lovely to have wait. you there. And I, and I can't wait to see you on stage with us. Wait. Can't wait. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's pretty much it, I think, mate. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for, for joining us. Yeah. Oh, thank you for joining us. And um, thanks, Nev. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, how amazing was that? Um, just seeing Nev again in my studio and having such a lovely chat and talking about the old times. I really did enjoy that. And thank you so much, Nev, for coming down. Always lovely to see you, mate. Um, yeah, so really, I just wanted to go back to what we were talking about, about the um, the wild ball, which we touched upon towards the end of that interview there. We are going a little bit off-piste here. Uh, I do appreciate that. So you don't have to listen any longer if you, if you think it's going a little bit too far off-piste. Um, although it is about unsung heroes, my wife being an unsung hero. Um, so it's, it's about Mandy, really. But, um, but it's also about a charity event that Mandy and I host every two years. Um, the Wild Ball all came about because uh, one morning Mandy and I were um, laying in bed and we got the dreaded phone call saying that something had been flagged up in one of her scans. Mandy had recently had a mammogram and the reason why she'd had a mammogram is because her nan had died of breast cancer uh, years previously and through that she made sure that she had a mammogram every year privately and thank god she did because it flagged up a condition called dcis which is ductal carcinoma in situ on the nhs they don't 
screen anybody until they're 50 years of age so um, at that time Mandy was kind of like late 40s and had she have not had that done privately probably she wouldn't be here with us anymore um, because it would have blown up into a massive cancer um, and I think that's a really good argument for the NHS to be screening women uh, a lot earlier than that maybe 40 45 you know but that's another matter um, but yeah but through this whole process uh, Mandy's care from her doctors was second to none um, it transpired that Mandy had to have a, a double mastectomy along with reconstruction um, there were quite a few operations in fact uh, one of them was like 14 hours long um, it was pretty intensive and the operation was a hundred percent success and she is now a hundred percent clear with virtually no chance of it ever returning so that's fantastic news. Um, Mr. Hyder Ridder, uh, Mr. Peter Crane and Mars Dixon were the ones that saved Mandy's life. They're just fantastic people, um, incredible surgeons. And yeah, they've they really turned it around for Mandy, for all of us. And um, we will be forever grateful to them. Um, it was through that that we decided that we wanted to raise some money for the surgeons. And... Um, so we came up with an idea of hosting a charity ball. Uh, some friends of ours had done a similar thing and they'd raised a few quid and we thought, yeah, it'd be a nice thing to do and a great way to thank not just the surgeons but so many others, you know, and it's such an important cause. So many people get it and we just want to make sure that people get the same amazing treatment that Mandy did. Um, uh, it's it's a funny thing. I, I don't normally talk about this, and when I do, I, I always get a little bit choked up. So this this for me is kind of like a, quite a cathartic thing. I just have to put that in. Um, yeah. So yeah. So we decided to 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 host this ball, and the first thing that hit us was the amount of positive energy coming from ev everybody who wanted that everyone wanted to be involved in it so whoever we called up they all say yeah what do you need we're, we're there for you um yeah the first person we called obviously was kimmy and i said look kim we've got this idea would you be up for performing and you know doing a couple of numbers on the night and she said yeah of course absolutely no no questions asked and um and that kind of set the ball rolling and it's through that that we that we could ask other people and and they wanted to get involved too so it, it kind of snowballed after that and that was the, one of the most beautiful things um and the most rewarding things and through through that we've we've met some incredible people um jake being just one of them um yeah that all started um, mandy literally just put a a letter through his front door we'd heard that he'd moved in locally so uh, mandy and i wrote this little letter saying if there's any extender stuff you could whack over for the auction section that would be wonderful not expecting any answer or any more more than that because we have done that to a few celebs around here, and we haven't heard anything back. But um, but Jake's lovely wife, Alison, um, was immediately on the phone to Mandy and said, look, we really do care about this, and we really want to get involved in it. 
and of course now they're a major part of it and um and it's lovely he uh, me and jakey we did the auction together um jakey always comes up with so many different prizes and like kim he's just been an incredible support and so has alison uh, the two of them together have been such a great support and um and we you know we're so very grateful to them for that and also, you know, through Jake, this whole podcast came about. So it's amazing all the positive stuff that's actually come out from this um, seemingly negative thing, you know. But I digress on that one. Um, back to the ball. Um, yeah, so basically it's a bi-yearly event. It's held at Nibworth House. We normally have about 500, 550 people coming. And they all turn up. We have a lovely slap-up meal. And then we get to the business end of it where we have the auction. And then we get into the live music section. This year we had Clive from Doctor and the Medics. Um, he was actually comparing the whole show for us as well. Obviously, Bluey, some were there, Neville, um, smashing it out. And um, he was amazing. We had Carol Decker. Carol's done it two or three times now. And um, actually three or four times. Um, we had Bucks Fizz. We had Nick Kershaw, who's done every one of them so far with this. Um, Martin from ABC. Bless him, he came down as well. He's done two or three of the shows. Um, Kimmy. Kimmy's done every show as well. Obviously, Kim was going to do it. But historically, we've had uh, Tony Hadley, uh, Rick Astley, Go West, um, Haircut 100. Uh, just uh, and everyone who I've asked, they've all said yes, and they've all come, and they've been amazing. We can't thank those guys enough. So the money that was raised um, for the ball... Well, for the last two, actually, it's been slightly different. The, the first two, because uh, we've done four now, the first two were for the, the surgeons that saved Mandy's life. And then we decided we wanted to go a little bit bigger and we decided that we wanted to raise money and raise awareness for a new radiotherapy unit in Hertfordshire, of which there are none, shamefully. There's quite a few in London, but not one in Hertfordshire. So if you're unlucky enough to, to get cancer, um, if you're going to have radiotherapy, you're going to have to travel an hour a day to Mount Vernon or Addenbrooke's or, you know, miles away. And bearing in mind, you have to rely on a lift for this because you're going to come out of there feeling wiped out. And some of these treatments can go on for months. So it's it's pretty unacceptable that there is no radiotherapy unit in Hertfordshire. Uh, I, I just think it's just unbelievable, unforgivable and shameful um, that it's not been sorted yet. Um, but we're working on it. Um, we're in close contact with the local MPs uh, to try and make this happen. I think the, the best thing that anyone can do listening here on this podcast is if they can get in contact with their local MP and basically lobby for this unit because it, it's so needed. It's going to be extortionately expensive to build this unit, but... You know, it can be done. I think the, the, the more people get involved and the more people that care about it, like we do, um, the more chance we have of making it happen. So all the money that we're raising now is going towards that uh, for when it's built. So, yeah, so far, the, the money raised 
has been around 390,000 in all, in total. Um, the last ball alone was 140, just over 140,000. Uh, a lot of it down to some incredible people that we've become very good friends with, who I, I won't mention who they are because they're very private people. But, um, yeah, they've been a massive, massive part of, of the whole ball as well, the whole setup. And they are probably the most remarkable people um, Andy and I have ever met. And um, we feel blessed to know them and count them as dear friends so yeah um that's that's pretty much it really i just wanted to talk about that and let people know what it's about and if you guys want to get involved um please tweet me and um you know i'm i'm all ears any ideas i'm on um at wild ricky w-i-l-d-e-r-i-c-k-y on twitter so please just get in contact with me and, and let me know if you have any ideas to raise any any money uh or awareness for that particular thing uh, and it'd be much appreciated um, finally, another thing I wanted to say was that when the morning we got that phone call, um, in our minds, it was kind of like the beginning of the end. It was like the darkest moment of our lives, looking at each other, absolutely terrified. <clears throat> absolutely terrified. And, um... It was we we wouldn't we couldn't have ever believed that 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 actually was the beginning of the most amazing chapter of our lives and probably the most important and and also the best and we've as I say we've met some incredible people and um, who would have believed that something su- such a horrendous experience could turn into something so bloody wonderful. So, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's about it. I um, don't think there's anything more I need to talk about. <laughs> so, um, so I'll just move on. Um, thank you for listening. I really do appreciate that. Uh, next week, we're going to get back to the normal episode of Unsung Heroes and we'll be chatting with some more legends. So, um, yeah, have a great week and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Unsung Heroes with me, Ricky Wilde, Jake Wood and Lee Bennett. Produced and created by myself and Jake Wood for Wildwood Productions. With music and editing, again by myself, Ricky Wilde. Artwork by Scarlet Wild and hosted by Acast. Just to remind you that there is a link in the notes directing you to a Spotify playlist featuring all the songs we have discussed in this episode. Many thanks for listening. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.